Welcome to the Zenove Podcast. You're listening to our Business Resilience Series, where we bring to you conversations between eminent industry stalwarts and thought leaders from across the globe as they discuss their insights on overcoming challenges and the mindset that help them navigate the journey of crisis, resilience, and growth. Hello, and welcome to an all-new episode of the Zenove Podcast, Business Resilience Series. I am Praveen Badada, Managing Partner at Zinov, and I will be your host today. Today, we are actually bringing you a special episode with two luminaries from one of the most diverse multinational Indian origin conglomerate, Reliance Industries. First up, we have Anish Shah, popularly known as Anish Bhai, who is the president at Geo Platforms. Anish has been an integral part of the company's journey so far, having worked at Reliance over the last 20 plus years. Not only has he helped scale Geo to what it is today, a massively successful telecom player, but also has been instrumental in shaping the future of technology over the next few years. Our second guest today is Kiran Thomas, who's also a president at Geo Platforms, where he has served across various Reliance entities in a multitude of roles. Kiran is another core member of the Reliance team, where he has helmed multiple projects to fruition over the years. Welcome Anish and Kiran to this podcast. It's great to have both of you today with us. Thanks for having us. Awesome. So let me just dive right in and let me get started by asking a little bit about your career over the last 20 years. We'd like to call it the period of excellence at Reliance. Give us a little bit of a sneak peek into this 20 plus years of journey and more importantly, what made you commit such a big portion of your career to one company? Normally our careers have mirrored each other so much that usually Anish Bhai does the introduction for both of us. So maybe Anish Bhai, you want to do that and then maybe I can just chip in by exception. Thank you very much once again. And I think we just say both me and Kiran have almost started a career together. In fact, he's uh, slightly older than me in Reliance and otherwise I am older than him. So he he started his career in Reliance in Jamnagar uh, when the refinery was being constructed. And that was the time he came out of the college. He was working with uh, Tata Unisys and from there he moved to Reliance Industries. Incidentally, his father still works in uh, Reliance and he's in the refinery division. Kiran has been there for almost 20, 25 years plus. Of course, in between, Kiran had gone to do his master's in US. He had to do his MBA in Stanford. Then he came back and of course, he joined Reliance. And I think that was the time both me and Kiran, we started working with each other. That was Reliance uh, Geo Infocom. I had joined Infocom in 2001 and that was the time both of us came together. I have been all along in technology area. Initially in Infocom, the charter was to really build the entire Infocom. And of course, it was a massive, massive thing in 2001, building a CDM and network and then putting up the fiber. I was engaged doing a lot of work with partners, especially AT&T and Nortel. There were many companies whom we had brought in for building a lot of technology solutions. Kiran at that point in time was because he had done his MBA and he had joined once again to the group. Of course, uh, the chairman had asked him that why don't you look at the business part of Infocom. It was very exciting because for the first time, I think we were bringing the CDMA services and it was very disruptive, as you know. Those days, phones were very costly and the services were probably not affordable. I think the initial business model of how to crack, that was something which was Kiran's brainchild. In fact, he was working hand in hand with uh, Mukesh Bhai, Manoj Bhai and all of us. Both of us then moved to retail together in 2005 when uh, we got separated and we were supposed to start a new project. Even before uh, separation, work on retail was started and probably three of us, that is myself, Kiran and another of my colleague, Pankaj, were the first three employees of Reliance Retail. 
the charter was to build the entire strawman plan before even we launched our services in 2006 so i think almost for almost two years all three of us were together learning and building up the vision and identifying all the detail execution plan for how should we go about venturing into retail we traveled probably almost every international retailers place to see how they have created their business model and what are the technology components and what are the services we have to really build to make such a large retail investment and venture of course in infocom kiran was doing a lot of business side work and i was working on the technology he then probably single handedly started bringing all the international partners to reliance retail so all the initial partnership which reliance had right. including marks and spencers and vision express very many of those international brands who had never thought of bringing their brands into india in a manner where we had thought that we will bring them and scale them up so he was instrumental in bringing all these partners giving them the perspective of what is the kind of opportunity and how along with us they can actually conduct their business here in a large scale manner i think they all believed in us and that is the reason today you see almost all the brands and all the partnerships are very very successful in india this is one thing which both of us did together i think there was a then the phase when the financial crisis in 2008 had struck that was the time when we said that it is imperative that we do transformation of the business because a lot of things were changing and we had to do a lot of transformation in our existing oil and gas and the manufacturing petrochemical business to ensure that we are aligned to the new norms formed because of the financial crisis again that was the time when both of us were asked to move and start doing the transformation work and we we started building the blueprint of what the transformation should look like in the people in processes in technology i think in 2010 while we were working in the transformation space was the time when there was again an auction on the telecom side for the spectrum and that was a time when kiran was asked to start looking at the telecom business from a fresh pair of eyes understanding what all things we should do should we go to 3g 4g if we have to go to 4g what kind of technology so there were many things which kiran started as a straw man what we did in retail he started doing that in the geo uh, telecom part i think in 2012 i was called by my chairman and said that transformation piece is over in reliance industries and now we have to start building uh, our upcoming project which is geo so please start working with kiran again like what you have done in retail in 2013 of march i handed over all my work to the team who was managing transformation and i moved to join geo along with kiran building the entire foundation framework for geo uh, and since then we have not looked back we, we have not only built the foundation of geo platforms and now we are completely into building geo telecom and of course geo platforms so that in nutshell both of us have been together a part of almost all the large projects and complementing to the kind of work which is required and it is mammoth work so i can yes. tell you that working with kiran has been very very privileged the only yeah. thing that i will add to that is uh, the reason why this has been such a phenomenal journey for us personally for both of us is there's always something new that we are learning originally it was refinery for me then telecom which was a completely new area for us then retail completely different then coming to transformation of core reliance which was a very different activity and then now with broadband and all the digital services that we are building with geo and geo platforms every day is like a, a new chapter in your learning journey so that has kept us extremely connected to everything that is going on in reliance many people have to go through dozens of companies to get this span of an experience and growth personal development and growth we were fortunate that we were able to do it within the same group which is reliance because of the growth and expansion and getting into new verticals which the group has been able to do and our careers have tracked that growth of the company and that has been the real reason why we have stuck to this company rather than what other people 
people may do, which is have to visit many, many companies through their careers to have such an experience. That's, that's so amazing. And thanks to kind of walk us through the entire journey. It's kind of mind blowing in terms of how time after time you've taken up large initiatives and delivered outcomes for your company. And it kind of explains why, because of the newness of everything that you've done over a period of time, it makes sense for you to commit such a big portion of your career to Reliance. A truly amazing story. Our audience is really going to like probably for the first time hearing from all of you in terms of how this has unfolded for you and how the last 25 years has been structured the way they've been structured. One thing I'm very curious to know, and probably more than me, most of our listeners are, are really curious about this is to understand from both of you, right? You've been working very closely with your chairman, Mr. Mukesh Ambani. How stressful or not so stressful is it to work with one of the world's richest men who has, I was always thinking of the next 10 years ideas and big bang ideas. Give us a little bit of the theatrical view of how his office looks like. So I think there is a difference between pressure and stress that I want to first highlight. In physics, they both have the same units, but the, the difference is pressure is what is coming from outside onto you and stress is what is your reaction to that. Stress is the forces built internally to resist that external pressure that is being applied on you. The pressure is always there because, you know, we take up very, very ambitious projects. The vision is always maybe seemingly unachievable sometimes when you get started. And then along the way, there are all kinds of challenges. I mean, nothing worthwhile comes without its own associated challenges and obstacles and you have to overcome them. Otherwise, other people would have done it as well. The great thing about working with Mr. Ambani and both of us have had the privilege of doing that over the last 20 years is that he's always there to support. His style is that he will set the vision. He will empower you sometimes even beyond what you feel that you can accomplish on your own. He has the confidence sometimes in you more than you yourself have in yourself because he's able to see that maybe capability and, and the ability to step up. Whenever there is something insurmountable, he's shoulder to shoulder with you to help you because he's a very hands-on leader that way. He's not like, I give it to you and you swim on your own. And if you win, great. And if you struggle, we'll find somebody else. That's not his style. Right? His style is that he understands how to build new businesses. He understands there are challenges are part of the game. And he understands how a leader should support or give that confidence to the frontline people to go and deliver without really worrying about anything else other than the goal that they have to achieve. So that has been the style that we have experienced with the chairman. We try to pass that on to our rank and file teams to say that, boss, you fight it out. Whenever you feel overwhelmed or whenever you feel there is insurmountable, we are there shoulder to shoulder with you. And so you will not be fighting this battle alone. I mean, that has been the real foundation because of which we've been able to handle all the stress that comes with the external pressures that are associated with all of our projects over the, over the many years. I don't think so. It has been any time stressful. We are always eager to learn from him. There is so much to learn. I think we are always ready to take up the challenge because like what Kiran mentioned, sometimes his confidence in us is more than probably we think about. And the kind of vision he carries in terms of the kind of forward-looking things which he has, even after 20 years, we find it very astonishing that there is so much to learn from him. We are always eager to see an opportunity to see if we can really get more from him than what we can provide to him. We are fortunate and we are able to talk to him, understand from him, learn from him. Our organization is very flat. So we don't have too much of hierarchies. And uh, I think that is another one of the reasons that accessing to Mukesh Bhai is like talking to you or talking to Kiran. It is that easy and that simple. And I think that is what really helps us to do what we are doing today. Makes sense. Lovely to hear. And I think I would define this as a culture of camaraderie, right? I think the bond that you all share and the fact that you've all worked together for the last 20, 25 years, built a different kind of environment and everyone understands the working style and becomes a lot more easy for the organization to move forward in the same direction. Yeah. So we all know this great ability of your chairman, sir, to spot the opportunities that others are not able to spot and take big, bold vision uh, of something which is relevance for decades to come. And while that has always 
been the, the way Reliance has operated. I'm also curious to know about the impact of challenges that the company has gone through in the last 40 plus years of its history, right? You've had various big crisis moments like the 9-11, like the financial crisis, Anish Pai, you talked about, even the current ongoing pandemic. But if you look at Reliance as a company, we truly believe that this is one company that has stood the test of time. So my question to both of you is, what are the fundamentals of building an organization that is built to last? So I think, uh, Praveen, it is always something which is part of our DNA, which comes very natural, that we want to do a lot of planning, a lot of study before even we get into any business. Once we are there in any business, we are always ready to accept any kind of adversity because we believe that in adversity is where there are opportunities. Whether it was financial crisis or whether it is even pandemic, probably not many people are aware, but when the refinery was on the verge of getting launched, there was a big cyclone and most of the things which we were building actually got damaged. And in spite of that, we were able to launch the refinery in time. This is part of our DNA that we want to work in a manner that we are able to ensure that even if any kind of adversity comes, we are prepared. If you think about how armies are designed to work, that they are prepared for any kind of adversities, changes or challenges which come. For us, it is something similar that if we are getting into a particular thing, then we should be prepared of any adversities. There is no question of going back. And for that, there's a lot of planning. There's a lot of work which is not seen to really deliver. So even for example, in financial crisis, when crisis happened and when every other business was not doing so well, we realized that it is the right time for us to get our retail act together. That was a time we started spending a lot and taking that as an opportunity. Again, it was an adversity, but we thought that this is not going to be permanent. At some point in time, this adversity is going to go away. And we want to be prepared for things after the crisis is over rather than worrying about the crisis. So I think looking ahead, always planning for something different than what it is and identifying opportunities from adversity are part of our DNA, are part of our execution plan. We always think of worst things which can happen and the best things which can happen. But worst case scenarios are the ones where we are doing a detailed execution plan. That has always helped us in all kinds of situations. Look at pandemic. If there was no geo, I don't think so many people could have survived in pandemic. Uh, the kind of connectivity required, the kind of collaborative systems and platforms which are required for people to conduct their business could not have been possible if there was no 4G and if there was no geo to make it so affordable. This pandemic, there's a lot of learning, a lot of learning of getting how to make this adversities into better opportunities, where we can really add value, how can we make our country more sustainable in such situations and that is part of our deal. Absolutely. I think it's quite visible in some of the scaled examples that we've also seen, right? Way back, be it in terms of what you've done for the popular show, Khan Banega Karurpati, or the kind of execution that you've done for the Jamnagar ceiling, which I believe was built in, what, two years? So the question really comes to mind is, how do you balance as leaders of such a large organization between how much time to spend on planning and how do you still maintain a disruptive pace of execution? Because a lot of what-if scenario planning, I'm assuming, takes a painstakingly long amount of time, right? So as leaders, where do you find the balance between the two? The, the key thing is not trying to make something which is already being done a little bit better. That'll only take you so far. Even with the best of planning, if you are incremental, your results will also be incremental. But if you want to be extraordinary with respect to results, some of the examples that you mentioned, right? Taking something like a Kwanbanega Karodpati and getting it done, let's say in a few weeks of work to launch such an ambitious product or building hard infrastructure, which has been where Reliance really 
you know, excel in, in the previous decades. I think the key idea is to find something different about how to approach that problem. So if you don't have a differentiated strategy and a differentiated model to begin with, planning will only give you incremental results. On the other hand, if you have a great differentiated model, but poor planning, then your execution will be poor. So you have to put the two together. In many cases, I think it comes down to two things, right? One is technology, because technology gives you capabilities which traditionally didn't exist, especially if you're looking at cutting edge technology. So in the case of KBC, that was cloud that we used very, very effectively to build such a high scale system with a very small team, for example. And the second aspect is talent. The people who can come up with these creative ideas and people who can then have the determination to go through all the challenges of execution. So when you put talent and technology together, you get very powerful opportunities to disrupt things and do things in a very different way as compared to how people have been approaching it in, in the past. And in Reliance, we have a word for it. We call it 10x improvement in something that we are doing. And sometimes we become, we aim for 10, we get 100 also sometimes. So the idea is to do something with such extraordinary differentiation that it almost looks like a quantum leap. It is not something that you did a little bit better, but you completely broke the mold. You completely took a very different approach and you were able to deliver unimaginable results sometimes. But when you think about it from first principles, the technology and the talent is really what got you there to begin with. And of course, all the other characteristics of determination and all of that comes naturally part of our DNA. We love challenges. We love trying to come up with creative problem solving to overcome them because we believe that when the going gets tough, the tough gets going. I have our own confidence to say that if there's an adversity, that much more ability for us to do something differentiated. Our competition may not be able to follow us through that adversity gate, but we are able to go through it and succeed on the other end because of the capabilities that exist in the group. Absolutely brilliant points. I think I love your comment about business models and the fact that the dependence on tech and talent. In fact, in the current times, the times that we are living in, the times of the digital transformation, all three, along with effective planning and execution, are absolutely important. Any successful enterprise, unless they have a combination of all of these to come together, it's very hard to imagine a success for any of the companies. You talked about quantum leap, and one of the quantum leaps that the country has seen is, of course, Geo, which I'm assuming is your favorite base maybe among all the other babies that you've delivered for Reliance. The youngest, youngest in the family, always. <laughs> and with almost about 500 million subscribers, you are indeed the top telecom and digital technology player in the country. So first of all, many congratulations for what you've achieved in a very, very small period of time, which is unimaginable, even at the global scale, right? And the world knows that the two of you were really instrumental in creating this global disruptions. It's really amazing what you've been able to deliver. But I have a kind of interesting question, right? If you really had the superpower to go back, go back in 2014, 2015 time period, right? Is there anything that you would do differently around Geo? Were there scenarios that you were really blindsided with? You really didn't think of them in terms of what will unfold in the next five years. Give us a little bit of a background in terms of what would you do different if time allowed you to go back in history? When we think back of what we did in 2012, 2014, where we were doing a lot of planning and when we look at now where we are, we feel that all our strategies, which we had put at that point in time, were ahead of time. Honestly, if I go back, hardly anything I would have changed of what we did. Of course, if I had a power to get cloud services and cloud, which is probably now more prominently available and some of the core technologies which we have now devised, if that was available, we would have done something different. Maybe if that time we had a better understanding of how to span out things on 5G, we would have done things better. But I don't see anything which we would have done differently. Rather, I feel that we had done something ahead of time, whether it was building the business model, whether it was identifying the technology, whether it was getting the 10x experience. There were many industry firsts in the journey. Today, probably not many people initially thought that KYC can be done through Aadhaar and onboarding can be brought in less than five minutes. Not many people believed that people are going to use 4G data service. And that was, again, industry first, which we had thought about it. 
experience wise i think bringing everything to mobile services whether it was live tv or just cinema today we are talking of ott products and ott services but 5 years back none of these were even available or affordable we did those things right which actually built the foundation of what we call today's mobile revolution which has happened and new business models i would have not made any change if there was something which i had ability to go in past but certainly if i had got some benefit of cloud and 5g technology we would have definitely <laughs> added those things then rather than doing it now in fact the planning work that we had done it was probably layer after layer after layer of scenarios that we had thought about of what all could possibly go wrong everything from technology to adoption to product to competition reaction that finally how things turned out has always been much better than what we were planning so at every step we have found that things were much better than what we were preparing for for example the pace at which the service was getting adopted the prevailing wisdom at the time was indians will take decades to adopt data what will they do with data they don't even understand data so they will not adopt technology proven completely wrong right less than 6 months we had 100 million people using geo services content how people have adopted content how people have built applications on top of it i think the things have lined up for us as we have gone and largely that has been because of the preparatory work that we did when we were doing all the scenario planning and and really looking at all possible risks and how to mitigate the the teams have been phenomenal and i think people have really risen to the occasion at every stage so very little to change but like anishpai said we are that much wiser that much more capable today and if you could always go back as people say you know take the 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 experience of age and the energy of youth you can carry everything from here back into the past obviously you will do much much better but in those circumstances with what was available to the world around us we did some phenomenal planning which has also resulted in the success that you see yes and i'm i'm assuming the the bros of geo right i'm going to call you that which is the two of you i'm assuming you're still in the planning phase right because there's lots to be done uh, on top of the geo platform over the next 5 to 10 years as you truly become the platform of the country i'm assuming you're still in that mode uh, kt sir right absolutely the thing about digital is it never stops the digital is an area which is always fast paced innovative there is a new opportunity always to take advantage of looking forward now we are talking about the age of ai and machine learning there is convergence happening all across multiple technologies coming together everything from life sciences to digital technology to robotics to drones i mean if when you put all these things together the possibilities are endless right the price performance of solutions that you can build are endless the domains that you can address are endless right everything from retail to manufacturing to healthcare to education so literally there is no end to opportunity but we have picked our few spots always while you should not get distracted by so many shining objects that you forget the the few things that you have to deliver on in the short term planning there's always a few priorities that we are pursuing right now obviously telecom still remains a very high priority retail and new commerce is an area of priority for us where there's tremendous growth that we are seeing and exciting opportunities there manufacturing for auto industry for auto if you look forward that's our core bread and butter where we see a lot of opportunities there are a few things which really are in our wheelhouse that we are executing but there's always early exploratory work that we are doing always because once this is done what next so we always need to have some pots on the boil so to speak so that by the time we get done with this dish the other dish is kind of halfway there already and and we can pick up the threads on that so it's always a question of execution and forward planning they go hand in hand especially with digital this this story will continue like this for decades to come hopefully and just one quick comment i'd love to get from you is as you think of planning right if you think of this geo platform right now we are living in the 4g kind of at the cusp of 5g world are you already planning for 10g or at 6g 7g how far do you go in terms of planning yeah, i think what you said we are always in continuous planning mode that holds true even now when we were doing 4g our foundation for 5g was already there 
and probably that is the reason today when people are trying to struggle to even identify how to launch 5G we are almost there all of us are fortunate to be in this part of our life that where we are able to see not only 4G we are able to see 5G and probably 6G because the transformation the innovation which is happening the pace is accelerated it took a lot of time for people to get 3G from 2G and probably it was half the time to get from 3G to 4G and even lesser than that to get from 4G to 5G i'm sure 6G is at the cusp people are already experimenting in fact in our labs some work is already started we have to also see how it is relevant in in what we are doing like what kiran said you know there is so many exciting things happening everywhere but then we need to also identify and pick our right areas where we think we can do something which is materialistic to the country to us to whatever we are providing as a service so obviously i think in all these areas planning will continue to be on the forefront but i also would say that it is not about planning also it is not about experimenting also it is also about how well you execute that so thinking ahead of time for example when we were building 4g we started building our own 5g products i am very happy and proud to say that indigenously we have now built our own 5g products our teams are uh, you know have been working even when we were lo- loading out 4g silently there is a set of people who were identifying what should we do for 5g so whether it is the entire core backbone 5g or whether it is 5g based services or use case which are related to different industry specific things i think we are already there probably in few months you might see a lot of things coming in 5g from us i think planning is important but i would also say it's not only planning you also have to start believing and executing it otherwise it will still remain only in paper we do planning and where we believe that this is going to go well we are also we start also executing Awesome, and we of course are rooting for you both from the outside as well as from the inside for this platform to be massively successful. Best wishes Thank from you. the entire Zinal family to you. Thank you. I want to change gears a little bit and maybe talk about your leadership style a little bit. The interesting thing is that you've been around with Reliance for 25 years, and you've seen all kinds of talent profile that have come and worked with you, right? And of course, all of us are in, living in a phase where we're now dealing with younger talent. talent which is in the mode of looking for the next opportunity and there's this great resignation phenomena that's going on that if you don't align on the purpose of the company the talent pool is not really keen to work with you even if you're throwing a lot of money at the problem right so i'm keen to understand from you how has your leadership style really evolved and how do you continue to inspire people to work with you given whatever is happening in the world today how do you deal with the talent of today and how does it look different from what it was in the previous years like i mentioned earlier what excited us to stay with the company and to have such a long career with the company is continuous growth the fact that we were given phenomenal opportunities phenomenal outcomes that we were wanting to make in the market which is the purpose of the company and it was articulated very well by our chairman to say what does it really mean to the country for example even our founder chairman right when he started infocom in 2001 he said i want to make a phone call as affordable as a postcard right that was the vision the postcard everybody could send but i want to make a phone call as cheap as that not a luxury item when he said that few people remember but having a mobile phone was one of the things that qualified you to file a tax return along with a house and a car it was like that and he said i want to make it affordable to the last man in the country so that resonates that connects right once you go through one cycle of that execution then you see the impact of what you have achieved that gives you tremendous satisfaction and it's like an addiction you want to do more of it and and the second thing is growth when we were starting our careers in infocom the opportunities that were given to us the tolerance for the patience while we developed into that role and we were able to achieve what we achieved i think these are timeless things right i mean we we focus on the little bit of the difference between generation to generation we have seen it play out in the 60 years of reliance we have seen it play out when it was founded how dhirubhai ambani used to motivate his team and how he used to get results how mukesh bhai has done it over the last 30 40 years that he has driven the company and the baton is now with us to do the same for the next set of leaders who are coming down 
and the blueprint is simple right if the people don't grow with you then somebody else will provide them that platform to grow in today's world it is highly competitive especially in digital the mindset of people have changed in the terms of their tolerance for risk in jumping from company to company the skills have very low shelf life so whatever you have learned 5 years back really doesn't cut it so the fact that you are with a company for 15 years is not what motivates you you want to be on the cutting edge and developing your skills going forward so those things you have to provide to those teams right you have to provide them that vision you have to be a little bit tolerant for failure the real transformation that has happened to us over our career has been doing things with our own hands to now enabling other people to do it and being there as a support that's the support that we got from our leaders who came before us we have to model that a little bit going forward and ensure those leaders further model it down and that's how you build depth in the company and and people feel empowered really at the front lines and not only at a few people somewhere high up in the hierarchy who feel empowered our own personal styles have evolved that way as the teams have grown as new talent has come in sometimes we have to step back and allow them to perform and be there as that shoulder that they can lean on giving them the confidence that yes it's okay to make mistakes so long as you learn from it and correct it and grow as a result of it i think there is mutual win win equations both for the company and also for the talent i would like to add pravin that for us uh, attracting talent or our leadership style is a lot of things have come from what we have learned from our leaders what we continue to learn from our leaders that is one thing which really is the way we have tried to ensure that the teams are also following the same and we are giving that that thing second thing i would say is the kind of empowerment you get empowerment is not given is something which you have to take and for doing that you should have a lot of accountability on your own the good part is if you fail there is no penalty for you in reliance probably it is good that you fail and if you fail fast everybody will encourage you to see how you can get out of that and how can you really build things and i believe that is one important thing you don't have fear of failure but you should be always trying to do something different innovation is something which is always welcome if you bring some innovative ideas however simple it is people are ready to listen people are ready to accept people are ready to make those changes and it can come from anywhere i think sure. these are some of the core principles which is part of our leadership style in fact both of us we work at a grassroots level we work with people who are doing coding we sit with people who are doing testing and test automation we also sit with people who wants to even try to design architecture so probably in any part of activity we want to encourage people we want to say that bring your new innovative ideas and don't worry if you fail but try it out you should never give it up some of these things which we have got from our leaders i think those are our leadership qualities if i have to add to what kiran said Oh, absolutely love it and i think the rumor has it anish bhai that you pretty much know everyone's name in the organization and that you also don't have an executive assistant to work alongside you pretty hands on are these rumors true anish how does it really work yeah, yeah both both me and kiran both me and kiran you are absolutely right both me and kiran we know people by name by first name we in fact sometimes i even know their family people because we work wow. so very close that we we know and yes both of us don't have any support i mean for example today's uh, schedule we did it on our own one so there was nobody yes. else so absolutely that's so amazing both of you are so down to earth in that sense let me turn the question the other way around right in terms of the leadership style and if you were to meet the future presidents of whatever form and shape geo becomes in the next 20 years right what would that one piece of advice that you would give to those future presidents that are working with you right now what should they do to achieve the kind of success that the both of you have achieved in your own careers 
I think, see, there are a few things which will be timeless for the group. There is a mantras of reliance which Dhirubhai left us, which absolutely holds true today, if you think about it. And and he had the five mantras he used to say. He always used to say, bet with the country. Right? What's good for the country is good for reliance. So always look at what India needs to go to the next level. You cannot be wrong, right? Because the entire country will back you when you're doing such a thing. There will be great goodwill because you are billion people, billion point three people behind you to support you at that point. Number two is invest in the businesses of the future, not in the past. That's where growth will come from. Yes, you will have certain businesses which are historical, there will have continuity. For example, even in our traditional oil and gas business, our energy business, a chairman just recently announced that we are going to, we will be the first company probably in the world to go into renewable energy and new materials in such a big way ahead of any mandate, ahead of any commercial necessity. He's saying we will be investing to pitch there because we see the inevitable. The world is going there. We know it. So rather we be prepared and drive it and be part of that change than be forced to do it against our will. The two of the other things that I already mentioned, which is focus on talent, focus on technology, because technology has really changed the world. If you look at the last two, three hundred years, every leap of growth or improvement in our life has come because of some technology somewhere. Look at the power of technology to disrupt and be on the cutting edge of that technology so that you are not caught late in that game by somebody else who will disrupt you. Rather, you should be looking to disrupt. And talent is evergreen. And the great thing is you have to build the talent appropriate for that opportunity. You should not take a model which has proven in one industry and try to force fit it into anything. So when you say talent, you should again look at talent of the future and structures of the future. So that is a third. And then the final thing is always focus on adding 10x value and the customer proposition. So if you follow these principles, these five principles, you are very, very unlikely to go wrong with respect to what you do. Every person has a little bit of a different style and all of that, but the details may vary. But these are, I would say, the, the five things you should not get wrong. And, and that is how you will be a great steward for the Reliance success story and the Reliance way of doing things going forward. And then the rest are details. Smart people will figure out what they need to do in any given circumstance. We don't have to micromanage. If we want leaders who are continuously learning and reinventing. So that's the final thing I will say that if I had to add one more mantra, which is like be voracious learners in what you're trying to do, because the world is changing so fast around you that if you don't understand what you're doing, you will not be able to use it to its fullest potential. You will not be able to even inspire your people to take full advantage of all of those changes that are happening around you. The reason why we are learning from our bosses even today is because they are learning constantly. They are not the same person who are their fountain of all wisdom 40 years back. No, they have also learned so much. They learn so much faster than us that we are always challenged to stay ahead. Otherwise, whatever they are saying won't connect. So by their behavior, they are motivating us to learn because if we don't learn, we will not be able to keep pace with their pace of learning. One thing I can say with sure is that what is going to happen 20 years from now, we have no idea. We'll get it wrong. But we need to have these principles and a certain philosophy, how you approach business. That I think will hold you through all of those opportunities and challenges of the future. I think the only thing I would like to add is that you should be ready to accept challenge. If you have everything, but you're not willing to try out, you're not willing to take challenge, you are not a team player, then probably it becomes very difficult for you to reach to that level. Apart from what Kiran mentioned, maybe these are the two, three things I would like to add. Otherwise, Kiran was spot on. Spot on. Uh, absolutely. I think the way you both articulated is almost like timeless lessons. They were true 200 years ago. They are true today and they'll be true even uh, as we go forward. Right? So it's absolutely great bundle of advice that you've given to young aspiring leaders who want to achieve kind of great roadmap and runway in their own careers. One of the other rumors that we keep hearing from the market is the fact that uh, both of you are, you know, master negotiators and everything. You, of course, buy a lot of uh, technology, buy a lot of tools. <laughs> But the interesting part is not that. I mean, everyone in their role is uh, somehow trying to be a negotiator, right? And what we hear from the market, the other thing that we hear from the market is that despite you being master negotiators, vendors and partners continue to want, want to work with you, right? I mean, we, of course, at, at Zenov have 
uh, always loved working with uh, the Reliance family and uh, I've enjoyed the journey that we've had. How do you do, how do you make that happen despite ruthless competition in the market, despite the price wars that are happening, your vendors are still wanting to continue to work with you. So what's the mantra there? If you can un unbundle that for our audience, that'll be really useful. Anish bhai, this yeah, is I think... something you should <laughs> take. I, I would say that negotiation is, is art and science both. You should have the skills of doing it. First of all, I would say that you should know how to understand from stepping in the opponent's shoes. Really understand what is that he or she is trying to do in terms of building this. Whether it is buying systems or software or whether it is negotiating for services or whether it is doing a partnership. Probably I would say Kiran was able to bring almost all the international retailers in the country when none of these retailers even believed that they will be able to be successful in this country. Today, they are so very happy that they have doubled their investment in the country. I think convincing, see one of the thing is how do you convince the opponent and you should be prepared either to convince or get convinced. We have been always where we believe that there is something where both of us have a complimenting thing or we want to really get involved in doing it. We always find a way and we believe that there is always a way where there is a will. The very simple skills is that how do you really step in, in the opponent's shoes and understand what is he trying to do, what is his area of expertise or what is his area of interest and how do I ensure that my interest is aligned to what he wants to achieve. In the process, either you get convinced or that person will get convinced and in either way, it is always a win-win. So I think that to me is a very simple, simple thing which we do. Apart from that, I'm sure there are many books which explains art of negotiation, but I believe these are very simple things which if you know, then that always helps. Yeah, and I think it's important for our audience to know that you're actually very supportive of the partner businesses as well. So it's not just about their relationship and engagement with Reliance as a company, but both of you as individuals have also gone above your roles and charters to really help these partners be successful outside of the Reliance uh, ecosystem as well, right? Yeah. That truly talks about the leadership style and the way you get invested into your partner, right? Talks volumes about the approach that you've uh, And, and Praveen, again, this goes, this, this is again something which we have learned from our leaders, right from Dubai and even by Manoj by everybody. We always want to work with partners. We believe that we are there because of partners. Right. We always believe that we cannot as an individual or as a collective, as a one company, we will not be able to achieve what we have or what we want to unless we have support from the partners. And right. if we work with the partners and not step over partners, I think partners are also very clear. It is always a reciprocative kind of system where if you support, there is no which way a partner is not going to support this simple mantra has really helped us and probably we have worked with you we have worked with so many other there are vendors whom we have not even probably done any business but the amount of experience we learn from them the amount of things which we share with them we have excellent relationship with them in spite of not even doing a single business with yeah. them or not having a large business that's because we are always inquisitive to understand how the partners can directly or indirectly support them and how we can support them so it is always about uh, you know helping each other this has been a brilliant conversation. I can go on. I think there's so much to talk with the both of you, right? I mean, there's so much to cover that one hour time is typically less to do this, but I'm cognizant of the time that you all have as well. But before I let you both go, I think we typically do this segment with our guests where we try and get to know a little bit more uh, personal stories from them. And we do that with a few rapid fire questions. So whatever comes to mind, you can just, you can just let me know. Are you a morning person or a night person, Anish Bhai? 
definitely night person definitely night person in night probably i believe there's lot more we can do especially silent hours are great so we can do our own study otherwise throughout the day we are either in meeting or we are in some kind of conversation or some kind of calls but night time gives us opportunity to learn and every day at least something i would like to read something i want to learn i could be in technology could be in any other things and also to catch up on news and night times becomes a better way because day times are way way busy in terms of working with people and collaborating with people sure okay perfect katie sir uh, anish bhai prefers solitude what is your preference yeah yeah night time absolutely i think it also comes a little bit from having to logically close out something before you can sleep peacefully so sometimes there are things running in your mind that you want to get to a logical closure like anish bhai said through the day we are in meetings and other things a lot of ideas come up and then your family and all of that towards the later half of the evening so the real time that you get to sit down peacefully and to digest everything before it is forgotten out of your mind is a is a late nights that you get to yourself unfortunately also in reliance most of us follow that way so we start a little bit later in the morning that's a small comfort which also allows us to spend that little bit extra few hours later into the night perfect so outside of work anish bhai what is your favorite pastime what do you like doing relaxing using music i love music so when i'm doing nothing music is the way i get relaxed of course i i don't play much but i i, I like to listen so i do listen music books of course i go for in books and then surfing and doing something where i can learn something out of what is happening globally those are uh, probably my pastimes okay perfect so music books and general surfing uh, kiri sir how how different is your favorite pastimes i grew up playing basketball so that still remains a little bit of a pastime for me of course i don't i'm not able to play competitively or anything like that the age has caught up a little bit but i always found just being on the court by yourself just shooting the hoops it it kind of takes your mind away from a lot of pressing worries because it just distracts your mind and it's a way great way of focusing on something else and the satisfaction of seeing the ball go in always is there that you have accomplished something there's just a little bit of a goal orientation there and also it keeps you a little bit fit which is important in our life i was trying to pick up tennis before this whole covid thing started in fact anish bhai i even dragged anish bhai onto the tennis court for campus so we used to spend uh, again later nights after work we used to do something after, there, after our uh, after our office hours uh, maybe around 11 o'clock when we are supposed to go back there will be at least 45 minutes to 1 hour session of uh, playing tennis and uh, <laughs> i will I, i will be supporting kiran i mean he was but because of him i also started uh, learning some of hey nice because Good. i was also wondering how are you breaking the bro code right because you are doing everything together so this the favorite pastime has to be uh, similar so i think i arish bhai arish bhai even coming the other way he he forced me to learn guitar a little bit because he said you have to perform in one of our events so i had to learn at least a little bit to be able to do that so so that way it's a bit of a you know picking up each other's hobbies and expanding and keeping it interesting but i think basketball and sports has always been kind of the outlet outside of work for sure movie that really caught my attention which was star wars ah, the, okay. the the old one episode 4 5 and 6 which yeah. got started first and then the, the others came later really watched it very young that franchise actually had a, a a special place in my heart because of that early association that as a whole sequence of movies or a series of movies i think would be my all time favorite there are always new ones coming along obviously the science fiction as a genre i absolutely love but among them star wars probably if i had to pick one So Anish bhai what's the background behind people calling you bhai why why does everyone call you bhai <laughs> 
of course i come from a gujarati background so obviously that is natural and then i think it is also now become a very colloquial that it helps people to give a little longer word so probably that is the reason people call by and i don't mind as long as they call me and i am able to respond it's fine so extending that colloquial logic uh, kt sir what kind of funny names you have been called because i'm not sure people call you kt bhai <laughs> <laughs> no, I think the thing about reliance is we try to add the suffix appropriate to that person's culture and origin. So Anish Bai is from Gujarat, we call him Anish Bai. Somebody from Bengal would have the da, you know, the ah. Arindam da or something like that attached to it. If you are from the north, we'll add a G to it. I think extending that, uh, people try to add Anna or Cheta to me. It didn't quite fit somewhere. It, it didn't have that same ring to it. So then we left it alone. So I think people call me Kiran or Kiti. So I and and I'm pretty happy with that. <laughs> What does the chairman's office call you? What does Mukesh Bai like to call you? So there are two things. In spoken communication, he calls us with our first name. Yeah. Sometimes he adds a Kumar or a Bai to it, like Anish Bai Sakli sometimes gets, gets Bai to it. In written communication, he writes initials, which is kind of a, like a style in Reliance. So AS, KT, etc. But that is more in written communication. Easier for the secretaries and other people to figure out uh, whom he is talking about. But in spoken conversation, it is uh, pretty casual. Uh, like uh, Anish Bai would, he would call him Anish Bai. Anish Bai would call him Mukesh Bai. So it goes back and forth. <laughs> so so it's, a, it's a very egalitarian type of a very loving and I would say symmetric type of a uh, addressing pattern that we have in Reliance. Wonderful. So just to continue on that, you were made the chairman of Reliance for one day. One thing you would prioritize. What is that one thing that you're going to really focus on in that one day? I think, the, I mean, Reliance that way is very fortunate in the sense of so much of vision and there's so much of momentum. Probably if I were chairman, I would love to learn a lot more than me trying to change a lot, to pick up a lot more because there are parts of the company which we know and I'm sure there's a depth to the company which we don't. And as a chairman, you have that vantage point. So certainly there's an opportunity to use that one day to its maximum potential so that the rest of my life I can do something better and more innovative, uh, take advantage of that. I mean, really equip myself better. I think that will be probably be the best way to take advantage of that one day. Otherwise, a company like Reliance has great momentum already and the vision is great, uh, execution team is great. Probably the maximum use would be for me to plug into that a little bit more using the vantage point of the chairman. Uh, and that may equip me to contribute better maybe later. So maybe it's more like what Reliance can offer to me during that day rather than what I can offer to Reliance uh, during that day. Okay, awesome. On that humble note, my final question to both of you is if you were to define Geo in the year 2025 in, in a single line, how would you like to define Geo five years down the line? I think the vision that we were given is be a part of creating a digital society first in India and using the, I would say, the opportunities afforded by the Indian scale and the Indian variety. I think a lot of solutions that get built will find a global audience as well. That is a strong belief. So if you look forward, let's say the next decade, we would say that we have been on the forefront and we continue to be on the forefront of driving that agenda of creating that digital society, everything from connectivity to solutions, to cloud, to AI, ML, all the, the full, taking the full advantage of the, the power, making tangible difference to the lives, work, of, of people and companies and so on within India. And we would have succeeded if the country as a whole is prospering on the back of that. And the reason why this digital society vision got created is because we have this fourth industrial revolution going on globally. And whoever is having whoever is having those digital skills and digital capabilities, we believe will be able to progress very, very rapidly compared to the other countries. And that has happened with every industrial revolution in the past, where whoever was able to maximally take advantage has become a superpower at, at the end of that cycle. So we believe at least not a superpower, but at least we should be able to overcome a lot of the challenges and bring 
broad-based prosperity using digital technologies and innovation. So that, if we are able to accomplish over the next one decade, that'll be phenomenal. At the same time, if Geo as a company is also taking some of that, those solutions uh, invented and proven in India and reach out to the world and start creating value even outside of the Indian boundaries, which is what other developed countries have done. They have always reached out and become more global. So if we can help India become more global, if we can become more global, that would also be a metric of success with respect to value addition that we are doing outside of India. I think you summed up very well. I would say 2025 for us, definitely Geo will be global. Mm-hmm. Definitely, Geo will be having a lot more in the area of technology services and technology platforms. I definitely see Geo to be in the large-scale internet global company. So we want to be aspiring to that in 2025. Best wishes to both of you. And as Indians, right, we would be really proud to see an Indian brand kind of conquering the world and in that process delivering tremendous value to people who really need to have this value. I think Geo and Reliance family has all the ingredients, the leadership, the technology prowess and the access to ecosystem to kind of make that happen. I think for me personally, this was uh, a conversation that was truly insightful. This conversation has been unlike any other I've had so far in the recent past. We learned what makes you both tick, how instrumental you have been in Reliance's journey so far and what really the future holds, like you talked about the global expansion, right? How does the future look for Geo and the Indian tech ecosystem over the next few years, right? And I'm truly hopeful that our listeners will find this special episode very insightful, enlightening and more important fun. Both of you really opened up and I really thank you for sharing all the perspectives and insights with open heart with us. This is going to be a big, big experience for our audience and I'm pretty sure they'll take a lot of learnings and lessons as they themselves become the leaders of the future, right? So I really appreciate both of you taking time on a Saturday and, and doing this for us and thank you so much for all that you've shared today. Thank you very much, Praveen. I think it has been also a pleasure to answer some of the <laughs> good questions which you raised. And <laughs> I think uh, I think this was even very, very memorable for us. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in to this episode of the Zinoff Podcast uh, Business Resilience Series. We'll be back with another episode soon with another illustrious guest. Till then, take care and stay safe. Thank you, everyone. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Business Resilience Series. Stay tuned for more such interesting episodes. You can listen to our podcast on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast from. To know more about Zenov, visit our website, www.zenov.com, or drop us a note at info at zenov.com. Follow us on Twitter at Zenov for regular updates on our content. Thank you again for listening to the Business Resilience Series of the Zenov Podcast.